Hey friends, today's episode is brought to you by Engageo, the leader in account-based marketing and sales with their all-in-one solution. Are you familiar with account-based marketing and sales? I mean, if you're selling to the enterprise, to big business, account-based strategies are the new wave of doing business. If you're selling to the enterprise, if you're dealing with multiple decision makers, if you need to close larger deals, then an account-based approach is a necessity. However, while there's a lot of talk out there about account-based marketing and sales, there's very little actionable advice on strategies and tactics you need to take. So our friends at Engageo asked dozens of independent sales and marketing experts, leaders in their fields, to contribute their recommendations about what you need to know to get started with it. And Engageo has compiled the collective wisdom of these experts into a most comprehensive guide that reveals everything you need to know about using account-based strategies to win bigger deals. It's called The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. It's free, and you need it. So head over to Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate and grab your copy today. That's Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 495 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Joining me on the show for the second time is my friend Tim Walkle. He's a top sales trainer, a leading expert on making better sales presentations. You can learn more about Tim at timwalkle.com. And ask Tim to come on the show to talk about this problem that many sellers have, which is how to stop pitching when you first meet with a prospect and how to start solving their problems. And we're going to ask Tim about how to ask better questions to uncover the buyer's real needs and real goals and objectives in making a change. Tim Walkle, welcome back to Accelerate. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. Always a pleasure. We don't get to talk enough. No, we don't. We really got to get better at this. <laughs> and, and find some place to, to meet, you know, halfway yeah. in between. It's been a long time, my friend. It has been a long time. So first question, just to kick things off here, in your estimation, your opinion right now, today, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps? Oh, wow, Randy. Uh, Andy, that's, that's a great question. You always, you always uh, deliver a fast pitch. You know, I think the single biggest challenge, uh, if I look at, at the reps I, I've been watching and monitoring and talking to, is I think... A lot of reps today, Andy, are moving way too fast, and they really don't know what they're doing. So it's kind of the, you know what? I'm lost, but I'm making really good time. And, <laughs> you know, and, and my heart goes out to them because... Well, too, making, fast, too fast in what direction? I mean, just, so not, you know, not what direction, but I mean, in what areas are they moving too quickly? Uh, t- t- too much activity, not enough accomplishment. So at the end okay. of the day, and, and sometimes this is driven from the top, it's tone of the top, sure. but I'm being measured by how many connects, how many dials, how many proposals, how many face-to-face meetings. And and it's like, wow, that's great from an activity standpoint, but I'm not seeing anything come out of the bottom of the pipeline, number one. And number two, you're going home at the end of the day and you're exhausted, but you really don't feel like you've accomplished anything. Which is not sustainable. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's just, uh, so, well, you know, I'm a big fan of, hey, look, let's just tap the brake. Sometimes we got to slow down to get more done and let's have a plan. Let's know how, you know, let's, let's work. It's the fundamentals. And, and Andy, you know, that's my heart. I've always been a fundamental guy. So it's like, hey, sure, listen, me too. what, what's your story? 
what's your go-to-market strategy, what, what's your plan for follow-up, what's your cadence, what's your methodologies, what's your mediums, how do you engage, how do you propose, I mean, I, you know, and some guys get tired of hearing it, but, you know, the people that really have mastered the basics, I think, have mastered a lot, and um, that's still the model I, I aspire to. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I just gave a webinar on that. I, I'd probably even go a step lower on the basics, you know, just what happens when two people talk, right? That's, you know, if your sales process isn't set up in support of making that, that moment when a sales rep talks to a customer, that first human to human interaction or any human to human interaction in their buying process, if your process isn't set up to make that as value laden and as impactful an interaction as possible, then your process is out of whack. Well, your process is out of whack and, 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 uh, Maybe you don't have the skills to support the right process. It's it's the art of the dialogue, art of the conversation. But we seem to be so metric driven, which I think which I think is what you're talking about. Is, is yeah, it, it is. You know, I, I I don't know. I mean, a lot of that to me, I see that driven by by coming from the top. You know, we've seen certain people, you know, people written you know, Mike Weinberg and others have written a book about sales management that you know address this and being hugely popular is that you know that. The tone is really set by CEOs and senior management that more, 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 and to your point, is not really getting digging down into it and say, okay, well, how can we do less but achieve more? Yeah. Well, and I think Weinberg, I mean, I love Mike's stuff. Uh, he just he just makes me laugh when I read his stuff because he. I think he's taking uh, a lot of people to task that maybe should be taken to task. I, I think there's just this fear of, I really don't know what's going on in my organization, so I just want people to do more. And I figure if we do more, we'll get more. And um, again, that's not the. I, I think there's a metric, and the metric is how much business are you are you producing? Um, and all those other things, I don't think are necessarily very good indicators. Yeah, I saw I was giving a talk recently, and and told sales reps that basically, you know, one of the issues that they have is that is that they're not putting their own stamp on their selling. Right, they're not not playing to their strengths, and as a result, you know we've got these people that are sort of marching in conformity. Right, those coming directors coming to the top. We need this many dials, these many conversations. Blah 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 blah. The consequence is that that I said we've got these robots basically in sales, yeah. as you said, they go home every day exhausted, both physically and mentally, because they didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And to me, a big part of the problem is is that we don't let people loose anymore. Right, if you look at the people at the top. They're doing their thing, right? You look at the top performers. They're they're not queuing to the the process, you know, hundred percent of the time, right? They've developed their own way of doing things, and I think what keeps sort of the people that aren't the top performers back is they don't have that confidence to go try their own thing. Yeah, yeah. They 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 look across the fence and they see the stallions running wild, but uh, they're they're afraid to try. And right. and, and and I you're I think you're spot on. That um, you well, got to put your you got to put your stamp on it. You've got you've got to be unique. Otherwise, you're going to get lost in the noise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the noise internally in your own company, right? Because yeah. you're not going to get the confidence of of your managers, and so you know the pressure is going to be on you to conform, right? Yeah. Hit, hit the metrics and so on, but turn the metrics on its head. You know, well, I, I, when I gave this presentation, I said to so finish the story. Is you know, I got a question at the end of it. It's like. So you're telling me I shouldn't do what my manager says, <laughs> and 
And, you know, sometimes, yeah, don't. I mean, it's, you got to find what's going to work for you. And if, and if you're just, like I said, following that rigid process, you're never going to determine what that is. Right. Well, it, so it, it points to an engagement last month. Uh, we're talking about, you know, the art of follow-up. What does effective follow-up look like? How do you know when you're being persistent, not becoming a pest? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and long story short, we're doing a deep dive with one rep in particular um, who takes great pride in following, you know, the the CRM manifesto on this is how we're following up. And, and you know, the rep had made five, six different attempts to, to reach um, this prospect who had gone dark. And uh, so the question to the rep, Andy, was, gee, what do you think is going on here? And the rep turned to me and says, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Tim. He says, I, I just don't think this prospect is interested anymore. And I looked at what his follow-up plan looked like. I looked at what he was doing. And I said, son, I'm not sure if the prospect's not interested, but I'm pretty convinced you're not interesting. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's kind of hard. That's tough love. Sure. But, you know, if, if I called you every Thursday for six weeks and left you a message, Andy, saying, hey, it's Tim, I'm just checking in. I don't, I don't know that you'd be real motivated to pick up the phone and call me back. So we've no, got to, absolutely not. We've got to put our spin on it. Well, yeah. Well, and that's that is part of what we're just talking about is is what are you doing that's worth the customer's time? Because if people have stopped talking to you, they made that decision. You're just as you said for whatever reason, whether they're uninterested or uninterested or they they find you uninteresting. Yeah, they've made this calculation and they're this you know mathematical calculation. Yeah, I don't. I don't get any return on this investment of my time talking to you. Well, but but they should early on. One of the first sales managers I had, you know, trapped me because it was like, uh, do your customers consider you to be valuable? I said, oh, of course they do. And his follow up question was, would they be willing to pay for a sales call? And that was like, row. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a real good question. That's a trap and, question. Well, it is, but it yeah. really makes reflect that when you sure. show up. If you're showing up and pitching your wares and, and trying to and trying to earn a commission, I doubt anybody's going to pay for that. But if you show up and you've got expertise and you've done your homework and you understand the space and you know what's going on competitively, you know what's going on in the marketplace, you can engage and, and share those insights through in, uh, insights and questions. Yeah, that's that's somebody I that's somebody I want to spend some time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was laughing when you were saying that because I actually had well, one company I was at where yeah, actually had a this group of customers that that uh yeah paid me to write proposals to them wow so yeah it was it was interesting it was only a small number of customers that we could get away with it on but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway sweet. yeah that'd be nice if everybody did but i really think that's sort of the the ideal that you know many people talk about in terms of you know how sales is going to evolve is you know on the sort of transactional end of the business you know we see more automation and AI and machine learning sort of creeping in. It's not going to supplant people, but it's going to change the nature of that job. But on the higher end, the more complex sales in the B2B world, yeah, you should reach the point, if you want to survive, where your customers do look at you as a consultant or as a trusted advisor, and they would pay for you to come and do a sales call. Well, I subscribe to that because if, if they totally understood their problem and if they totally understood your solution, then they really don't need you. And, and part of the reason they humor us is because they don't that they can't fully articulate their problem. They don't fully understand the possible solutions. Um, they're not quite confident on what the implementation is going to look like. And, and that's that's what I think that's what they're dying to hear from us. And um, and the reps that can go out and consult on that level, 
I think are incredibly successful. I know they are. There's no thing to it. They are. Sure. Well, I think one of the keys that they have is, is that they're able to help the customer understand where they want to go. To your point, I know the customers don't know the answers to all that. They think they know. But part of your job is you're going to help them come to a better understanding of where they want to go, what they want to become, what they want to be. And yeah, if you haven't mastered the product and service and invested in you know, your own development, you're not going to get to that point. Well, it's, it's like several years ago, I was looking for um, a new website, right? And everybody wanted to try to sell me a website. And, and then I finally bumped into somebody that said, well, you really don't want a website, do you? I mean, that's not really what you're after. What are you really after? I was like, well, I'd really like more leads. Okay, well, then how do we go about getting more leads? And so instead of trying to sell me a website, it was like, well, you know, maybe maybe you need a website, but maybe you also need a social media plan. Uh, maybe you need to be doing a PPC campaign, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so it's the old, nobody, nobody wants the drill. Everybody's looking for a hole. So quit trying to sell the drill and understand that ultimately, I just need a hole. And whatever it's going to take, that's what I want to get. So sort of, you know, going a different direction a little bit on the conversation is, is, you know, we're talking about communicating and trusted advisors and so on. You work with a lot of people on presentation skills. So how, how does that factor into, you know, credibility building, trust building and so on? I mean, you look at a lot of sales processes, you know, that trust factor really has to exist before you even get the opportunity to go in and really present. Well, so I, yeah, I, I, I look at it. My experience, Andy, is the presentation typically happens at two prominent times in the selling process. Uh, it'll either happen real, real early. Like there's, there's some industries, some markets where it's like they'll invite you in and they just want you a pit. They just want you to pitch. And, and if you're successful, you get invited and you've got a seat at the table. And if you're not successful, then you don't even get a chance. Um, and then I see a lot of presentations happening then at the end of the selling process, um, where, you know, you've done all your due diligence, you've done all your discovery and, and now you're kind of doing your firm and final. And, and in both those situations, right. If, if you're not good at presenting, you're either a, not going to get a seat at the table or B, you're going to invest a lot of time, energy and effort. And then at the end of the selling process, you're not going to be able to punch it across the goal line. And, and it, and it continues today, Andy, to be, um, well, here's what I'll tell you is everybody's like, oh, our, presenta- we're, our presentations are so unique. They're so different. Um, we're, we're very, very different. And you're not. You're not. Uh, I don't even have to look at your deck. And I can tell you right now that <laughs> your deck is not different than every other deck I'm seeing because there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities in what reps are doing today. And um, to me, it's just low hanging fruit. It really is. Well, what do you mean low hanging fruit? Um, that so many presentations today are so bad. That if you would take a little time, energy, and effort to really work on what does it take to put together an effective and deliver an effective presentation, you could be a rock star. I think you could sell ice to Eskimos because everybody else is just beating the same old drum and it just doesn't work. All right. So let's well, let's talk first about what everybody's doing that's the same. Then let's go to what you should be doing that'll be different. Well, I think the thing, um, so I, I see a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, one of the most common mistakes, like the mistake number one, I see a lot of Andy is just not really understanding the audience. And, and what I mean by not understanding your audience is that, um, you, you know, I get involved and it's like, okay, so tell me about, tell me about this presentation. Tell me about your audience. And if, if I hear things like, uh, name, rank, serial number, email address, and where they fit on the org chart, it's like, look, Sparky, that's really insightful. 
but you're not ready to present because you really don't understand the who, the how, the what, the where, the when, and the why. And so, you know, a lot of presentations, as you know, Andy, are kind of all over the place. It's a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this other thing. And the reason they're all over the place is because you haven't really truly defined what the opportunity is. You haven't really truly defined what the customer's looking for. I mean, the best presentations, this is very simplistic, but the best presentation is you get done delivering it. The customer goes, wow, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And that little voice inside your head goes, yeah, I know, because I spent some time figuring this out and I knew that's exactly what you wanted. And that's why I presented it to you. So there's, we, we, you know, we eliminate this mind reading and it's like, look, I, I got to do my due diligence. I want to make sure I'm sharing ideas that are insightful, impactful, and on target. And I ain't going to do that until you've given me the access to the information I need to have. Yeah, I was going to say that. I always find the best presentations are the ones that you actually don't give. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, for me, when I look back on, you know, real major presentations that we had to prepare, whether it was, uh, you know, to a customer or whether it was to an investor, is the best meetings are always those where the laptop stayed closed. Yeah. You're prepared. But you engaged in conversation and covered the same material, but I've all done as a conversation and through questioning. And yeah, everybody walks away and thinks, hey, that's one of the best meetings we've had. Yeah, exactly. But well, because you, you understand what's going on and you're telling a story. You know, you're kind of, you know, the whole thing with making a presentation, I, you know, I'm often telling reps, look, let's design this in analog and deliver it in digital. And way too often, reps get strapped into trying to design it in digital, right? So the first PowerPoint slide, they type the word welcome, and they're like, okay, I'm really rocking now. This is going to be good. <laughs> and, and the last slide, you know what the last slide says? Thank you. And it's like, well, we get some bookends here, brother. Let me tell you, they've never seen this before. Keep going, son. <laughs> yeah, I finished slide 100 and slide one. So now there's yeah. only 98 to fill in between. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Well, I, I so we talk, start, I understand the problem. And I, you know, I think one is also in addition to just content is just presentation style. Yeah, presentation capability, if you will. That's a problem I, I see all the time is, is people don't practice enough. And what they do is they leave their practice until they actually have a presentation instead of having something they should be practicing all the time. Right. I mean, if and we, do, we do this as public speakers, right? We have sort of our, our set speeches that, that we carry around in us and, and we'll modify and tweak them and but give us... 20 minutes we can probably give them whether we have a slide deck or not uh you know problem with the reps is you know they become handicapped and reliant on on the slide deck right and if you ask them to talk without it impossible yeah and that shouldn't be the case i mean it's practice right it's it's this commitment you know it's and you just don't see it unless it's like i said it's something that's that's coming together so when people do have a presentation they've got to practice i mean what do you recommend as sort of the best practices for them in terms of recording it giving it to their peers how many times they should rehearse it uh you know i remember there used to be rules of thumb about you know how much time you should spend in developing a a presentation compared to the length of the presentation you know i I, my advice uh andy has always been and you hit the word it's it's to rehearse um oftentimes reps think that um well, forget reps. I mean, I'll speak in first person. Early on in my sales career, you know, I'd be seat 21D on an American Airlines flight, and I got my laptop open, and I'm going through the deck. Mm-hmm. And that little voice inside my head, he is brilliant. It's like, oh, they're going <laughs> to laugh at this. Oh, they're going to go wow at this. They're going to cry when I say that. 
So that little voice inside your head is usually a pretty doggone good presenter. The challenge is nobody else can hear that little voice inside your head. So there's a big difference between kind of, you know, practicing in your mind and kind of thinking about it and actually physically rehearsing. So if it's a tabletop presentation, you rehearse in a tabletop environment. If it's a stand-up presentation in a boardroom setting, you you try to get as close to the real deal as possible. If it's going to be, you know, a group setting with 25 or you, you, you want to try to rehearse in an environment that is going to be as similar as possible to the environment you're in. And that seems so fundamental, so basic, but oftentimes, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. We're running around so fast that we don't even think about doing that. And and then we get in front of the customer and we launch and it's like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. I'm not even confident what's on the next slide. Well, so I'll give you a couple examples. One is when you're going into talk to a, let's say it's a big pitch to a stand-up pitch to a, a corporation, but you're gonna be in a boardroom. Have them send you a picture of what the boardroom looks like. Because and where you're gonna be standing. And this is not crazy at all because you know, I had an experience once where where you know, I knew it was going to be in a boardroom. I'm telling the story on myself. I knew it was going to be in a boardroom. What I didn't understand was the boardroom was really skinny. And so basically they had room on each side to slide into their chairs and slip their legs under the table. But you couldn't walk around behind the chairs on either side. Mm-hmm. And I had rehearsed on a boardroom where there was plenty of room to wander around. <laughs> and there was no room in, you know, in front of the slides. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, it was not my best moment. Because well, you, yeah, I yeah, rehearsed, rehearsed, yeah, I was trapped. I rehearsed a certain way. You know, the movement was, you know, I thought was, you know, part of it. And you know, little things like that can make a, a huge difference. So, yeah, if you're, you know, one tip I'd say is, you know, you're presenting in a boardroom or any setting that you're presenting in, have them send you a photo of it. Yeah. Somebody walking at their phone, you can't point of contact, take a couple pictures and send them to you. Well, it's 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 an area that uh, all of us can improve in. Well, I think, but the rehearsal thing is is critical. I. I love that you brought it up because, you know, for me, again, as you know, people think these things through in their head is you have to give a presentation, I think, at least twice before you give it. And, yeah. you know, actually rehearse it start to finish with people watching in a similar setting as you talked about. Because especially if you have a slide deck, um, you know, the transitions between slide to slide, yeah. really important. You're going to understand whether you have a story, a coherent narrative or not. Yeah. You know, are you just reading what's on the slides or you actually have a story you're telling? Well, and that's, that's, so that's the other part of the equation, Andy. I mean, we spent some time talking about, you know, the delivery and the delivery is very, very important because we've all seen subject matter experts just fall flat because they couldn't deliver. Um, but, but, but the other opportunity is you got to make sure that there is a story. And, and again, back to, back to what I'm seeing is, and I, I'll challenge people that are listening to this, look at your deck and, and I'll bet you, I'll bet you a dollar to your dime that within the first 12 slides of your deck, most of the attention is all about you. Let me tell you about who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let me tell you about what we do. Oh, please. I, I want to show you this map of the U.S. with all the little red dots so you know where all our offices are. Or all of our customers. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I'm not saying that information is not important, but um, way too often we, we lead with that and it's not relevant. It's, it's, it's not part of the, it. It's it's the end. It shouldn't be the beginning of the story. It should be the end of the story. And and that's a real challenge for a lot of reps is, well, it gets back to they haven't really done their homework. And so they really don't understand the customer. So if I don't really understand the customer, then what I'm going to talk about is something I'm comfortable about, which is all about me. And that I think that's just a real quick way to disconnect and um, 
and disengage. You're just you're not going to win them over. Yeah. Well, I, what I recommend is you take the whole corporate capabilities section of your proposal or your presentation. Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Your presentation and delete it. Well, I mean, I, the fact is, the fact is, yeah. If you're at the point of giving a presentation, they they've researched you, right? The buyer's gone to your website. I mean, most of what you're going to say, they know already about your corporate capabilities and you know the you know Applehood or <laughs> Apple Pie and Motherhood part of it. They know that already. So, by my recommendation, I tell people just cut this part out. Yeah. I mean, you can give it to them later if they're really interested. They know they probably know that these days. I mean, it's not like you know pre-internet days where you know this was the only sole source of information for about your corporation. Yeah, I, yeah so I'll, I, I'm in total agreement. I mean, when I look at a presentation, and I you know we're I'm real big on hey, let's just focus on three things. Three is not a rule, but a rule of thumb. And, um, and and when I'm coaching, more often than not, yeah, I'm not saying this is the be all end all, but I, I really like to see. Uh, what, how, why that that's, that's how I like to see a presentation structured mm-hmm. is the what, how, why, and the, what is always, you know, what is the situation? What is the problem? What is the opportunity? Uh, what is before us? Cause when we speak about what we're speaking, the customer's language, Hey, Hey guys, I'm here today because this is what we've discovered. This is what we've learned. This is what we think the opportunity is. Um, this is what the risk is. So when we start with talking about the, what we're really demonstrating our expertise of, of really knowing uh, the customer's environment and what they're up against. Right. The second part then is you transition into the how. And, and now, now that we've really, now that we're spot on with what the assessment is, let me tell you about how we go about making this better or how we go about taking advantage of this opportunity or how do we go about mitigating this risk. And, and, and the how is when they're like, wow, these guys get it and these are some great ideas. And, and then the third and final part is that's, that's what I want to see the why is, well, well, why are you the right person to do this with? But my experience is, you know, Andy, if you really tee up the what and the how, um, doing the why is uh, typically not that hard of a sell. And and and, and kind of the, the little picture I always like to use is, uh, it, it's the old emergency room example, right? If, if you got ill tonight, you, you had a, you know, a bad meal, and you got a little bit of food poisoning, and you got rushed to the emergency room, and that attending physician comes in, do you want him to start with the why? Which is how most decks start, right? Hey, let me tell you a little bit about this hospital. Let me tell you a little bit about the staff. Let me tell you about where I got my undergrad. Let me tell you about where I did my internship, right? You would be like, no, dude, the first thing I want to hear out of your mouth is what? What in the world is wrong with me? The second thing I want to hear from you is how are you going to fix it? How are you going to make me feel better? And then if and only if I'm interested, then I may want to hear why this is the right facility, why you're the right doctor. But again, if you focus on the what and the how, uh, I think you're going to win friends and influence people. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you look at decisions and and you know, I've been writing about this, is that uh, that the decision really breaks into two parts. You know, almost every decision. One is, you know, a binary decision. The first decision is a binary decision: Are we going to do this or not? Are we going to change or not? And then the second decision, I call it the choice, is okay. Having decided to do it, who are we going to do it with? Hmm. And to your point is, yeah, if you do a great job of, of helping the buyer understand the how and the what, you become the obvious choice for the why. I would think so. Yeah. Because, again, my, my experience is we, most of the decks I see, we just spend way too much time talking about the why. Yeah, and that's because people don't understand the, this decision, how decisions get made. 
And so if, and this was, I think, a professor at Ohio State University, I forget his name, Paul Nutt, I think, maybe, who wrote about this is, is and read about it in several books. Is, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. And actually, he you know, has expanded that beyond just you know, business, business decision-making, but also in personal decision-making. Is, is, you know, it's always sort of this two-step thing. You know, a, are, are we going to do it or not? And B, if we're going to do it, who are we going to do it with? Yep. And everybody sells to the who we are going to do it with. And they sort of miss the whole opportunity on the what now. Yeah. And that's, yeah, they sell past what they should be selling. So now, have you seen anything different in the trends in terms of presentation? Because you know, I'm always interested in this is, is you would think by now people would have gotten away from the heavy bullet laden slides. I mean, what are you seeing recently? I, I haven't seen that many new things myself, but I'd be interested to see what you're seeing out there. You know, I'm seeing some of the same old stuff. Uh, I met with a client yesterday that wanted help with a, a pitch that they had to make to some investors. And, uh, you know, my comment was, and I try to make it with respect, but I, I looked at his deck and I said, now, you realize this is called PowerPoint and not Power Paragraph. <laughs> and, and, you know, he kind of looked at me because... You've always got the, the bon mot. Well, it, it was. It, it was like, look, if you want to email this to somebody and have them read it, I think it's spectacular. Or if you want to leave it as a leave behind, a handout, I think it's spectacular. But if this is a deck you're going to present, you're using complete sentences and you've got uh, full paragraphs. Why would you do that? And and that's you know that's that's one thing again. And maybe it's just the way I think about it. You know, if 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 you can send me your deck and I can read it, then just send me your damn deck. I, I really don't need you. And so why in the world would you do that? I mean. And it's not like I'm some sort of genius, but when people want copies of my training deck, it's like I'm more than happy to send it to you because you know what? You're not going to be able to figure out what the story is. Uh, the, the presentation, the PowerPoint is a visual aid. And, and so it's it's helping support my story. Um, you know, I, I could send you, Andy, my entire deck on uh, better prospecting skills and I could give you a week and you might be able to figure out about a third of it. But two-thirds of it, you're going to be like, why in the world is there a picture of a sunset on this slide? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I get why this is in part. And, and that's, I think that's what we want to be. We want, our, we want it to be supporting. We want it to be a visual aid. We want it to be provocative. Um, and, and we want it to be unusual. We, we, as we're presenting it, we want people to go, where in the world is he going with this? Because that's how you keep people engaged. Um, that's how you keep people interested. If you're just same old, same old. I think it's tough sledding. I don't. It, it is tough sledding. Period. In a conversation. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it's. it's um, you'd think after all this time with the technology that we've had with PowerPoint. I mean, I don't, PowerPoint's been out what <laughs> at least twenty years, right? Oh, is, yeah. Is the rules, the best practices, are, are pretty clear, and you. So, if you're looking at putting together a presentation, you you have to start by asking yourself. Is this something to be of interest to me? I mean, if you are an audience member, you know, look at your own presentations. I would I sit through this? Yeah. And chances are you wouldn't. And so, if that's the case, you know, if you're really being pragmatic about it and you're trying to be most effective and efficient with your time, start with that. You know, it's the equivalent of looking in a mirror. Yeah. Look, look the presentation in the mirror. If, if you know, if it's just words, there's no pictures, there's no story. If you haven't identified what the storyline is or the through line throughout the slides that you're going to talk about, customer's not going to get it either. 
And if you're up there just talking to sort of a random, disparate collection of slides, yeah, you're not going to get the result you want out of the meeting. Well, you won't get the result you want out of that meeting. And then even far worse, in my opinion, is you're not going to get invited back. Well, that's what I meant. The result, do you want the next step? There's not going to be a next step. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just kill things so easily with presentations. And it, it doesn't require a ton of work. You know, think about it. It's actually it's less work <laughs> to put fewer bullet points on a slide. <clears throat> I mean, excuse me. I'm going to look at my, my slides. I, mine are very graphic-oriented. Uh, and I'll have, you know, usually a single bullet. You know, just a description of what the page looks like. Or not the page, but, you know, the image on the page or something that's related to it. So, you know, it's one thought per page. And you try to think about that one, at least for me, I, I think it's optimal if you just have just one thought per page. Yeah. And especially these days when, you know, you look at the way the movies are edited, how they've changed. And TV shows the same way. It used to be camera would hold a, the camera on a character longer. But now, I guess due to people's perception that, that we can't maintain people's interest if we have long camera shots, you know, the editing is really quick back and forth. I had read somewhere it was like, you know, sort of three seconds on average. Wow. You know, going back and forth. And so you think about it, when you're presenting a slide presentation, if, if you've got an audience that's accustomed to consuming information and entertainment with quicker cuts, yeah, it's not in your best interest to have a slide that takes, you know, 10 minutes to present. You're going to lose people. No. Well, and, it, and again, maybe it just gets back to we just we're not doing a very good job helping our reps understand how to put together a better presentation. I mean, here's a magical question. If, if you're listening to this to ask yourself is when you put together a presentation, you know, what methodology, what process, what roadmap are you using? And, and if you don't have one, then you're leaving it to chance. And, 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 you know, hey, just get on Amazon and Google sales presentations. You know, God help you. There's got to be a dozen books out there. Um, but if you don't, if you don't know kind of how to, if you have no clue how to, uh, bake chocolate chip cookies, just throwing a bunch of stuff in the bowl, mixing it and throwing it in the oven, ain't going to get you there, right? You're going to have to have a recipe. So go, go get yourself a recipe and, and start someplace, um, and refine it from there, but quit just flailing around in the wind. Cause that's not going to serve you well. No, gosh. Yeah. And this gets back to sort of a bigger topic, which you and I have talked about in the past is, is that like everything in sales. It all requires thought, deliberate action. You know, being out there, being hammered on metrics by managers and being, you know, sort of robotic in terms of number of calls and connects and dials you have to make, yeah, that's not getting you where you want to go. You got to, every action you take needs to be the result of deliberate thought. And that's true with your presentations. Yeah. I mean, we ought to be selling on purpose. There, it's a, there's a science behind it. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> So somebody after three decades of being around top performers, certain patterns of success begin to emerge. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I've, I've done this for a while, and it's not like I got it figured out. But you start seeing what works, and you want to grab onto that and cut, copy, and paste it to the best of your abilities. Excellent, Tim. As always, pleasure to talk to you. So, how can people connect with you? Uh, you know, you can always check out the website timwalkle.com. T i m w a c kel.com or <laughs> pick you, up the do phone. You, do you need help spelling your name? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> that pause. Or or, uh, or go old school. Pick up the phone. At one, one, one of the biggest chuckles I get, Andy, is when people call and I answer the phone. Yeah, And they're like, why are you answering the phone? It's like, well, because the sooner you quit shopping, the, the, the faster I get an order. So, you know, pick up the phone, give me a call, 
369-7722. If I'm not here, leave a message. And if I don't get back to you in two hours, something has gone terribly wrong in my life. So uh, <laughs> visit the website, pick up the phone, give me a call. We'll chat. Well, unless they, unless they call you right as you're ready to tee off. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll still make time to call you back. Okay, perfect, perfect. I thought they don't forbid uh, cell phones on your, your golf course. No, no, they do. <laughs> we <laughs> we got to pay those bills somehow. Yeah, I was going to say. All right, well, Tim, great to talk to you as always. And friends, thank you for joining me again today. Remember, come back, join me again tomorrow. We have another excellent guest. Until then, I would really appreciate it if you take a second. Maybe after this, this show is over, yeah, you got an application on your phone, podcast app. With that, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can leave a review to this podcast. We really appreciate hearing from you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 